Welcome to New Piney Grove Baptist Church, where one of our core values is Christian education. Let's tune in to this week's message. The thought of this scripture came to my mind and I first entitled it, Listen to Your Mama. But after looking at the text, I, I saw that more than uh, the mama was involved. So I changed it to listen to your parents. But something happened in gender study this morning that kind of made me refocus a little bit. Because sometimes my fathers are not in their rightful place. And as I began to think about the sports that we talked about and look at these guys on television, and they get on television, they always say, hi. Very few of them say, hi, dad. So for you fathers that are here, be involved in your children's life. It's really important to have a dad. Especially for you to have daughters, to have a dad in their life. You ought to be the first boyfriend they have. But we're going to stick with this title, listen to your parents, because in the text, it really talks about parents. And even though judges... Chapter 14, verse 4 is going to tell us that the event in our text was motivated by the Lord. There are several valuable lessons we can learn. God knew what Samson was going to do. So to get a better understanding of these events in chapter 14, I want us to start by looking at what led up to the events in chapter 14 by looking back at chapter 13, verse 1. And because it's you Sunday, I wanted to go with a translation that was easy for them to read. So verse 1, chapter 13 says, Again, the Israelite did evil in the sight of the Lord, so the Lord handed them over to the Philistine." who oppressed them for 40 years. The Philistine worshipped the pagan god Dagon. This group of people were fierce enemies of God's people. So God allowed the Philistine to oppress God's people because they were disobedient. Sin among God's people, like today, was widespread. In fact, if you read the books of Judges, certain things stand out. And this phrase is if you don't remember anything about the book of Judges, remember this it said there was no king, meaning there was no leadership, 
But it also said that every man doc, did what was right in his own eyes. Look with me in Judges chapter 13 verse 2. And it says, in those days, a, a man named Manoah from the tribe of Dan lived in the town of Zorah. His wife was unable to become pregnant and they had no children. Verse 3 said, the angel of the Lord appeared unto Manoah's wife and said, even though you have been unable to have children, you will soon become pregnant and give birth to a son. Now, we're going to skip verse 4, but verse 4, the angels gave some specific instructions on how the mother was supposed to conduct herself during pregnancy. Now, I, I, I kind of need to stay there a moment because even science has proved that a lot of action of a pregnant woman will osmosis or pass down to that child even things like fear and apprehension. But then in verse 4, the angels reaffirmed the birth, but he added some important clarification. Verse 5, you will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and his hair must never be cut, for he will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. He will begin, I'll get this now, he will begin to rescue Israel from the Philistine. Now there are two, two key features uh, in this reaffirmation. And I need to give you a little history to, 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 so you can understand. First, a Nazarite was normally an individual who voluntarily dedicated their lives to God. Say with me, voluntarily, voluntarily. They will publicly take a vow of sanctification to express their desire to draw closer to God by reframing from the comforts and pleasure of the world. It's similar to what we're talking about in Lent. The vow of the Nazarite was not a long or a lifetime commitment. They only vowed to be a Nazarite for a short period of time, again, like Lent. During this time of consecration or sanctification, the Nazarite would not cut their hair to give a physical demonstration that they were under a special vow. And at the conclusion of their Nazarite period, they would cut the hair off. But Samson was not an individual who volunteered. He was chosen by God and dedicated by God and not for a specified period of time. Uh, Manoah's wife goes on and she told her husband about the situation. The man wasn't there. Her husband wasn't there. He said, we're going to pray that the angel come back and tell me. And the angel did come back 
But the wife said this in verse 7. And it gives a little bit more clarification about the vows of a Nazarite, which Samson never took. Verse 7 says, but he told me, speaking of the angel, you will become pregnant, your birth to a son, you must not drink wine or any alcoholic drink, nor eat any forbidden fruit. For your son will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite, y'all get this? From the moment of his birth until the day of his death. That's the first key. The second key in this reaffirmation is that Samson was dedicated by God for a unique and specific purpose. I I think we have moved so far from the Bible and the power of God. We don't think God works that way anymore. We don't believe that perhaps one of you young people were born for a specific purpose by God. We think where we were conceived and how we were conceived determines our destiny. But I want you to understand one thing. Sex does not necessarily bring children. There are some people that want to have kids that can't. So every life that is birthed is birthed because God decreed to be born. I don't care if it was conceived in the back of a theater or in the back of a car. Every life that was born was born because God decreed it to be born. So I want to submit to some of you here today that perhaps the child that you have influence in. Maybe the reason they're giving you so much hell is because they were dedicated for a specific purpose and the devil knew it. The question is, were you handling the situation from a physical, mental point of view or are you looking at it as a spiritual battle? I do believe that we, believe we began to look at the things we're going through with our children from a spiritual perspective, recognize we are in a spiritual warfare, that it would change the way we fought the battle. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm one that believes in corporate punishment. The Bible is specific that child should be spanked. But sometimes you got to use some prayer. You got to ask for some wisdom. Is this thing really because this child is misbehaving? Or is there something inside of them that need rebuking? And see, if you ain't, if you ain't armed up as a Christian, you can't fight that spiritual war. And you learn how to fight by coming to boot camp. <laughs> Somebody know what I'm talking about. But at the time our text, Samson had not fulfilled his God-ordained purpose. Are you listening to me, young people? Because the text said that he was dedicated to God from the moment of his birth. 
to the day of his death. What God is placing you ain't got no timetable. I know what you're saying because I said it when I was a young man. I'm going to do what I can until I'm 28. And then I'm going to give the rest to God. And Kalea will tell you that I told her that when you reach 27, you're down here. So you're going to give your best years to the devil. When the Bible says, serve the Lord in the days of your youth before your teeth begin to rot. Now, you can look at the Bible and get it, but it says that. Here's a boy, that young man now that was gifted by God with extraordinary supernatural strength to complete his mission. But this time, he ain't did nothing but flex his muscles. I mean, it's good to show off the power, but God had a purpose for that power. I'm giving you some idea of something. This man we call Samson did with his extraordinary supernatural strength. He was attacked by a lion once and he took the lion by the mouth and just split his jaws. He was in a city once that he shouldn't have been. And they locked the gates, big iron gates with chains. He took the gates up, pulled them out their foundation and walked up a hill with them. He was in a situation where he was outnumbered a thousand to one. He took a jawbone of a donkey and killed a thousand men. We'll find out later he was in a place where he was in a coliseum with big columns that supported. He pushed the stadium down. Physically, he was a very strong man. But Samson had a physical weakness, which was more apparent than his physical strength. And that physical weakness, y'all hear me now had some serious consequences. And that's chapter 13. Now look with me in chapter 14, verse 1. One day, when Samson was in Timnah, one of the Philistine women caught his eye. When he returned home, he told his father and his mother, a young Philistine woman in Timnah caught my eye. I want to marry her. And this was not a request of the man. Get her for me. Before I explain this first, let, let me just share with you that what the, that, that this passage is, 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 is telling us how far Israel as a nation of God's people had fallen out of the covenant relationship with God. Yeah, they were uh, under oppression of the Philistine, but they got content living among our worshipers, which was enemies of their God and their nation, and they embraced their culture. You see, marriage in the ancient East was, 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 was basically a business transaction. 
Even among God's people, it was a business transaction. Parents would make the financial arrangement without the children's consent or even knowledge. Now, I want all you young people right now to say, praise God, they ain't married. Now, why am I telling you that? You got a choice. Samson didn't. His parents chose his mate. Now, I'm going to ask y'all, I'm going to ask all you, uh, all unmarried, under 21 years old, stand up a minute. All right. Now, if I chose your mate, who of, of all these people you're looking at, who you think I choose? Is there anybody in here? I shouldn't ask this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Is there anybody in here you want to marry? So say thank God. Now y'all sit down. I'm going to give y'all a, a, a better example. Uh, Myra, come here. Okay. Uh, let, me, let, 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 let me see. I can tell you who you are. I'm going to give him my set. Where's Jalen at? Come on, dog. You, you come with her, daddy. You come with her. Come on, put in. Come in. <laughs> All right. Y'all turn, turn y'all backs to each other right there. Okay. How much you want for? <laughs> How much do you want him to give you for, for him? All they know is they come to church, right? They ain't got no choice. They was one that made the decision about them getting married. So that's what I'm telling you. Y'all need to say thank God. Because I put them together. <laughs> Go with your daddy for, for somebody get mad at me. I'm glad I had a choice to choose Anne. Even though she didn't want me at the time, I'm glad I had a choice to choose Anne. I'm glad she chose me too. He uses the phrase here, she caught my eye. It's also written that she's right in my eyes. But you guys that are in the scholar class, you know what an idiom is. This is, this is a Hebrew idiom that, that, that indicates pleasing and satisfactory, acceptable. If I went to the urban dictionary, it would say she's fine. She's a knockout. In my day, Fred, we would say she's a brick house. It indicates that Samson found her physically attractive. Oh, he ain't even talked to this woman. He just saw her and said, whoa, go get that one because I want her. 
Verse 3 of chapter 14 says, And his father and mother objected. Isn't there even one woman in our tribe or among Israel you can marry? They act. Why must you go to the pagan Philistine to find a wife? But Samson told his father, Get her for me. Let me add in there. Now. She looks good to me. Samson's parents were not happy with the idea of Samson marrying a non-Israelite woman. They did the best they could to change his mind. But Samson would not listen to his daddy or his mama. He insisted that his father go and ratify this treaty of marriage between him and a pagan woman. But that was not his God-ordained mission. You know, one would believe that, that Samson's parents had told him about this angelic visit. Mom would say, look, I couldn't have no children. And then this angel came to me. We, we, it was followed that his daddy and his mama were sitting down and said, God has a purpose in your life, son. He sent an angel to tell him what your mission is. I don't know if they did or not. But I say this, if they didn't, y'all hear me, parents, they got to share and blame for what happens in Samson's life. And I'm going to encourage you that's raising young children, you need to speak words in them early on. Maybe you don't know what God has ordained for them, then you ask God. But you let them know that it's more to life than them going trying to get a basketball scholarship My wife is good at speaking positiveness into young people. She tells them that they're smart. She tells them that they're beautiful. Even if they don't think so. Even if the world don't think so. Don't tell your child that they're dumb. Don't tell them that they're fat. Don't tell them that they're ugly. You're speaking death. You need to speak life into them. <laughs> Samson's weakness for women, hear me young man, had become stronger than his purpose. I'm going to say that again. His weakness for women had become stronger than his purpose. The problem is we don't let them know they have a purpose. Samuel was determined that he wanted this good-looking woman. So God used Samson's personal, physical desire to bring about a spiritual purpose. Verse 7 says this. When Samson arrived in Timnah, he talked with the woman and was very pleased with her. He messed up now. See, first he just looked at her. He just saw a fine body. But then he talked to her and she said, Hey. 
Now he's hooked. He was determined to marry this woman. And his termination was motivated by two things. Eyes and his ears. That's lust of the eyes and lust of the flesh. And now nothing was going to change his mind. So he and his parents began to travel to Timnah to complete the deal. Skip down with me to verse 10. As his father was making final arrangements for the marriage, sent them through a party at Timnah. As it was the custom for the leap men, verse 11 says, when the bride's parents, notice that, when the bride's parents saw him, they selected 30 young men from the town to be his companion. This is his wedding party. It includes his groomsmen and his best man. But notice who selected them, the Philistine. His enemies. By now, Samson has got this fine, good-looking, good-talking woman. He's became cocky and overconfident. So he entered into a bet with his 30 groomsmen who were Philistines. He thought he could not lose. He had a riddle for them to solve. Read Judges and you'll find out that he killed this lion. Some bees put some honey in there. He got the honey. He ate some. gave some to his mama, but nobody knew. So he came up with this riddle. All the strong came sweet. But this woman, this very woman, that he went against his parents and married her anyway, the very woman that he wanted was the one that betrayed him. Are y'all listening to me? Some of this stuff we think we want it, when we get it, we don't want it. Reminded of what Mayor Rickett told me right after he got elected for the first time. He said, I was like a dog chasing the car, but once I caught the car, I don't know what to do with it. From this point on, Samson's life spiraled out of control all the way to destruction. Let me give you just a brief synopsis of what happened after this woman that he married portrayed him. He was so upset, he left the marriage feet before the marriage was consummated. He didn't have a honeymoon. He didn't go to bed with her. He was so mad. And when he got back to himself, came to the house, his wife was given away to the Philistine best man. He became vengeance, and his revenge caused his wife and his father-in-law their life. He turned to prostitution and got in trouble, had to run for his life. That's where he took the gates off. And then he met and fell in lust with 
and was deceived by a woman named Delilah. And because of his relationship with Delilah, his hair was cut off, which violated his Nazarite vow. He was captured by the Philistine, blinded, and changed to a grinding mill. They made fun of him at a big celebration where they celebrate a Dagon. And finally, Samson, this mighty man of God, committed suicide. Stick with me now. Samson's demise came because he would not listen to his parents. He would not listen to his parents because he did not listen to God. And his life can be summarized in the words that are recorded in Judges 15, verse 20. Samson judged Israel for 20 years. And during the period when the Israel, when the Philistine dominated the land. 20 years with all this strength. 20 years where he was supposed to begin to rescue them from the Philistine, they still dominated. He was gifted, had great potential, but he failed to live out his destiny. He was defeated by the Philistine, became an embarrassment to his parents and his nation. Chapter 16, verse 23 tells us of that embarrassment. The Philistine rulers held a great festival offering sacrifice and praising to their God, Dagon. They said, our God has given us the victory over our enemy Samson. Verse 24 says that when the people saw him, they praised their God, saying, our God has delivered our enemy to us. The one who killed so many of us is now in our power. You have something inside of you that God has placed. And the devil wants to snuff it out. And control you with his power. But for his name's sake, God vindicated Samson. See, God was going to have the last word. Samson was only a minute part of the power of God. While blinded, while grinding in the mill as a mere man, Samson learned his lesson. And the lesson was, it's better to obey God and listen to your parents than to please the flesh. Our final verse Judges 16, verse 28. And Samson prayed to the Lord. Sovereign Lord, remember me again, O God. Please strengthen me just one more time. With one below, let me pay back the Philistines for the loss of my two eyes. Then Samson put his hand on the two center pillars and that held up the temple, pushing against them with both hands. He prayed, let me die 
with the Philistines. And the temple crashed down on the Philistine rulers and all the people. So he killed more when he died than did his life. And he did what God wanted him to do. But it cost him his life too. The Philistine ruled for 40 years. He didn't rule but 20. So he didn't divide half of the time God wanted him to do his mission. But while he was in prison, his hair grew back. There's no power in the hair, but it was a sign of him being dedicated to God as a Nazarite. Some 3,000 people were up on the roof making fun of him. He asked the servant to take me to the foundation pillars and push them down. So Brandon, I want to leave with our youth today. Even though Samson had great ability and was endowed with physical power by the Holy Spirit, he gave in to the temptation of this world and suffered the consequences. This is a warning to all of us who are prone to go down the path of sensuality and things of the flesh. Samson didn't obey his parents. And you see the results. So the question is, what about you? What about you? Life is short. Everybody in obituary ain't over 50 years old. Young people are dying all over. Y'all know what went down in Fort Valley? Young lady, 23, 24, lost a lot. Where was it? Somewhere, six-year-old young lady. Young girl lost her life. I know y'all all want to live a long life, but you may not. So the best time to receive Christ is now. Amen. Thanks for listening. We pray that you have been blessed by the message. Visit us on the web at npgbc.org for contact information, service times, or directions to our place of worship.